listeners, this is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is PSG Small Talk for Sunday, October 7th, 2018. On today's show, we will cover PSG's thrilling 5-0 defeat over Olympique Lyonnais at the Parc des Princes, and I will talk a little bit about the Champions League victory over the, uh, over the previous week against Red Star Belgrade. I was obviously not uh, covering that because I was on assignment. Thank you to Guillaume for stepping in and covering. He did a fantastic job, almost too good of a job. But Guillaume was gracious enough to give me my seat back. And now you're stuck with me again. So, PSG have won their first nine League Unconferama games. The first time they've ever done that. The first time that's ever been done in the history of French football. PSG are on 27 points. They are 8 points over 2nd place Lille. They are 11 points over 3rd place Olympique Marseille. And now have opened up a 13-point gap over Olympique Lyonnais. So where to start with this game? With all the offense, and we'll get to the offense in a, in a, in a minute... I thought this was a really strong defensive performance from PSG for multiple reasons. First of all, over the last couple of years, this Olympic Lyonnais team has given PSG problems. Even in games that PSG have won, they've had problems with the physicality and the aggressiveness and just the skill of Lyon's midfield and their ability to turn them over in the midfield and get themselves into quick scoring opportunities. This has been a problem, most specifically last year, where I thought Leon dominated both games. I think PSG were lucky to win the one at the Parc des Princes, and they should have lost the one in uh, the Groupama Stadium by more, except Leon didn't necessarily play well in the second half, and eventually Kozawa makes the mistake to give Leon the opportunity to win the game. But this to me, was about PSG shutting down Lyon's ability to get clear scoring chances and to really start getting a tempo and a control of the game. Now, in the first half, Lyon had more of the possession. I think they were the more, uh, let's say, in-control side. But in a way, PSG defensively I think especially with Thiago Silva, who had one of his better games this year. I mean, he's been good all year, but this is one of those really standout performances where you go, he was really good. And once Nabil Fakir went out, and I don't want to forget that, Nabil Fakir left the game before 10 minutes had gone by because he rolled his ankle, actually, I think on a challenge with Thiago Silva, planted it wrong, rolled his left ankle, and he couldn't continue in the game. That obviously forced Olympic Lyonnais to change strategy a little bit. It took out their main sort of creative player, and it made Lyon a lot more one-dimensional. Because once they have Fakir in the game, they have the ability to be a little more creative in their passing. He's kind of like their Neymar in that way, in that you take Neymar off of PSG, PSG become a lot more predictable in their attack. Same thing with Olympic Lyonnais. You take Fakir out. They become a lot more predictable, and I think that helped PSG defensively key in on Traore and key in on Memphis Depay and not really give OL any sort of great opportunities in the first half. And what ended up happening early on was after that injury, PSG were able to draw a penalty in the box. Killian Mbappe, blazing speed as usual, 
Uh, Anthony Lopez, um, bumbling fool like he normally is in goal, fouls Mbappe, ball gets put on the spot, Neymar slots it into the right corner, and PSG are up 1-0, and that gave them a bit of a cushion, and it allowed them to sit back a little bit and absorb some of what Lyon were trying to do, and it gave PSG the ability not to sort of be under duress, and that's where I think they've struggled in their midfield is when they're under duress in a tie game or they're down by one and the other team's really coming at them hard. And I feel like that goal sort of took a little bit of the sting out of Lyon. They still had possession, but they really didn't have what I would call any sort of consistent, like, threatening attack. That looked like it was about to change in the 31st, 32nd minute when Presnel Kimpembe was sent off with a VAR-aided straight red card, which brought PSG down to 10 men. I said on Twitter that I didn't think it was a red. And I'm going to stand by that. Maybe not as vociferously as I did, but when I saw it on replay, I thought it looked actually better for Kimpembe than it did in the live time. I think in the live time, it looked really like a red card. But when you slowed it down... What you saw was Kimpembe going with his stud sideways, but he gets the ball. And when he gets the ball, the ball slips under him and it forces his studs up into the leg of Tange and Dombele. So I think that's a borderline call. And I've always been of the philosophy, and especially since I'm an American and I've been watching replay in sports for 25 years now, if you... Call it on the field the way you call it on the field. And the way that Anthony Gautier called it on the field was a yellow card. Unless it is absolutely obvious that the call was wrong and that it should have been a red. If there's any sort of dispute that that should be a red, you keep the call on the field. And the call on the field was a yellow card. Now, my opinion is that because the studs hit the ball and then the studs slipped off the ball into the leg, my opinion is that that was not a malicious challenge. It was a little dangerous, but no more dangerous than any of these other calls you see. And I don't think he was necessarily reckless because he was far enough away from Ndombele when he started the slide, where the ball affected the the, the projectile of the studs. And that's why I would say if there's any question, you sort of keep the call on the field. They didn't do that. uh, Kimpembe gets a red. He comes off. PSG hold the fort for a few minutes. They make an adjustment. They bring on Tilo Kerr. We'll get to him in a minute. And they take off Edinson Cavani, which I think is the right call because you needed to get a third. You needed to get a second center back on there. And I don't think PSG wanted to go to three at the back that early in the game. They could have done that. They could have bumped Marquinhos back into the into a center back position and they could have brought on maybe a midfielder or they could have taken someone else off. But I think they wanted to keep something like their shape, so they basically went to a four two a four two three essentially in that situation. Becomes a four two three more like a fourth it could be also a four three two with Neymar staying around that 10 roll, helping back in the midfield with Mbappe and Di Maria. However you want to put it, PSG were able to make that adjustment. And Tilo Kerr stepping up. 
and the defense did not drop. And that's what I was worried about when they went down to 10 men, which usually happens to PSG in games like this. They'll go down to 10 men, and they'll start to panic, and they'll get ultra-defensive. And I don't think PSG went ultra-defensive in this game. I don't think they backed off. I think they played about the same sort of style that they were playing with 11. And Tilo Kerr and Thiago Silva together were able to sort of handle the defensive duties. Munier helped back too. They sometimes had Munier playing further back than Silva and Kerr was. And Bernat was making good runs off the left side. I don't think they panicked. I think they did what they needed to do to just readjust the formation a little bit, but not put themselves in a situation where they had to back off and give the game to Lyon. So about, let's say, 10 minutes later or so, Lyon lose a man. And it was Luca Toussart, one of their midfielders. He had gotten a red, a yellow card earlier in the game. He gets a second yellow for a challenge on Kylian Mbappe. He gets sent off, and the game goes 10 on 10. And the last thing Olympic Lyonnais wanted in this game was 10 on 10. Because when you go 10 on 10, there is a lot more open space, and the open spaces do not benefit Olympic Lyonnais. They benefit PSG. Because as good as Lyon's attacking players are, they're not Kylian Mbappe, and they're not Neymar. So you get to the half, PSG keep the 1-0 lead, and you're thinking to yourself, what is this game going to look like in the second half? Because the first half was extremely physical, it was extremely chippy, a bunch of guys were on yellow cards, Verratti was on a yellow, Neymar was on a yellow, there were players on Olympic Lyonnais on yellow cards. Would this game look much different? And I also like to bring up that I think the I think Leon lost a second guy in the first half due to an injury, and I think it was one of their center backs, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been, or one of their their back line players. It might have been. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, but they did lose the second guy. I'm gonna look just look that up for a second, just to make sure I get that. Um, just to make sure I get that right. Um, Let's see. It was they lost. Yeah, they lost Raphael. That's who I thought it was. So Cornet came on for Fakir. Dubois came on for Raphael. Those were the two substitutions they had to make in the first half. And what it did was it put Leon in a situation where they could only make one more substitution, and they had to chase the game. And as they began to chase the game in the second half, the game became a really wide open. There were a lot of chances. Leon, I think got a nice chance when Thiago Silva bounced it off of a player, I think off the pie, and it hit the post. Kylian Mbappe missed about three chances in the span of 10 minutes early on, and you felt like the game was opening up, and you felt like Neymar was starting to find space, and you felt like Di Maria was getting in there finding space, and especially Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe was finding space. And because Lyon decided to chase the game, played a bit of a higher line, and they let Mbappe get behind them, which eventually opened the floodgates, which leads to a four-goal performance by Kylian Mbappe, four goals in the span of 13 minutes of playing time. That is absolutely absurd. And it's, I think, on account of two things. One, Neymar and Mbappe just took the game over with their pace and their speed. 
and Neymar's ability to pass the ball, get the ball into dangerous situations, and give Kylian Mbappe just countless chance after chance after chance. And eventually, when you have a guy that has the all-world quality of Kylian Mbappe, he's going to bang those chances in. And if you keep giving him to him, he's going to get two, three, or four. And Neymar just kept giving him chances. He kept putting the ball in dangerous positions. This is why... And I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here, and I'll bring it back. This is why Neymar is one of the best three players in the world. And this is why his his presence on Paris Saint-Germain is invaluable right now. He's the best player. He's the leader. And you go back to that Red Star game on Wednesday. He was the one when it seemed like the team was not really in gear. In those first 15, 20 minutes, they were struggling to get chances. Red Star were keeping everything in front. Neymar is the one that puts the free kick in the back of the net and blows the game wide open. Scores another goal immediately afterwards with his left foot off a volley. And PSG are off to the races. And they put Red Star Belgrade down by a score of 6-1. to This is who this guy is. And I'm going to use this term. It's a very American term. It's used in the 70s to describe Yankees uh, outfielder Reggie Jackson. They called him the straw that stirs the drink. And what that means is if PSG are going to win the Champions League, Neymar is going to have to be the guy that gets them there. And we all knew that. But this sort of nonsense about Kylian Mbappe being a better player than Neymar is kind of nonsense. And the reason it's nonsense is because all of Mbappe's goals, at least three of them, were set up by Neymar. Directly or indirectly, Neymar was involved in creating the opportunities for Kylian Mbappe to score those goals. These were not magical goals. Most of these were sort of basic, simple, clinical finishes. And... Again, I'm not taking anything away from Kylian Mbappe. Believe me, I don't want that to come across in any way. He is one of the best 10 players in the world. But he is not going to create those chances for himself. Not at this point in his career. He's still 19 years old. Neymar is the player that is creating the chances for Kylian Mbappe. And Mbappe took advantage. And he finished him off 1, 2, 3, 4... And the game was over. And just like that, the premier game in the league on calendar so far became a blowout. It was a chippy, rough game in the first half, and it just turned into the PSG show in the second half. Lyon's getting swept aside. I think they ran out of energy. They ran out of fight. And even at the end, they weren't even trying to foul. They were just playing off. They were so shell-shocked by PSG's ability to get the ball in dangerous situations and to finish ruthlessly and clinically and not give anything up on the other side. Gigi Buffon had to make about two or three sort of fingertip saves to keep OL off the board. But I think it was really important that PSG pitched the shutout there because it made a nice little statement. And I think the statement that it made was that we're not giving an inch, and we're going to play this game out for 90 minutes, and we are not going to give you a damn thing. And that, to me, 
is the mentality that PSG should be striving for, and they should constantly be striving for it. As I watch the replay on BN Sports, and let me get to BN Sports at the end. This might, If this goes to the Australian people, this end part may have to be cut off because I might not use very nice words. But let me just finish off what I'm thinking with this game so far. Um, Juan Bernat's getting better. Tilo Carrer is getting better. People are starting to find their roles. Marquinhos in the midfield in this game wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. Defensively, I think he's giving them a, he's giving them something in midfield. He makes hard challenges. He's up there. He's going to fight for the ball. He's not the best passer of the ball in the world in that role, but I don't think he has to be if Verratti and Rabio are able to sort of spell him. Or, you know, if the situation comes where one of them, if not both of them, are going to play. So let's say it's a Verratti and Rabio game. Marquinhos is not going to play in the midfield. He's probably going to play center back. If Virati is playing and Rabio is not, like was today, Marquinhos will slide up. So Marquinhos will get his game time. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Cavani got taken off in this game. Um, I think that's the right call. I think you, if you're going to take off one of those guys, it's Cavani. And I think Cavani has to know at this point that he is the third wheel of that of the, that trio, and I I just think that he's mature enough at this point in his life to understand that this these two guys are their best chance to win the Champions League, and Cavani just kind of needs to be along for the ride and do Edinson Cavani things. And if he does Edinson Cavani things, he'll get his goals, he'll be successful. And the team will be better off for it. Um, Virati, very good again. He's he's back. He's back to what he was. And the only thing you, you dread is he picks up another injury. Which, if we're going by history, is a distinct possibility of happening. But you can't, you know, you can't think that through. You can't project that. So you ride this for as long as you can. And hopefully it's for the rest of the season. We now head off to the international break. PSG coming off of four straight wins in all competitions. I think it's about, yeah, I think it's like four straight wins in all competitions. And you feel like, even though they're in a tough spot in the Champions League with Napoli and Liverpool, they're going to have to play Napoli in a couple of weeks at the Parc des Princes. Your hope is that PSG take care of business in that game and they put themselves back into the Champions League driver's seat, get themselves into first or second place, and make life a little bit more comfortable because if they draw that game or, God forbid, lose it, PSG are right back in the spot they were before Red Star. They're going to get a nice week off, um, international break time, which, uh, again, I don't know if we need this many international breaks after the World Cup. I personally have no time for the UEFA Nations League or whatever the hell they're calling it. I just sort of find it as another way to kind of make money and to wear the players down and use them like plow horses until they're washed out. But that's just my opinion. I I don't find it to be interesting. I don't find it to be anything other than just another way for UEFA to make money. Um, Let's talk about being sports for a minute. So... I have a lot of things to watch today. I had to watch the Giants lose on a 63-yard field goal. PSG's win obviously made me feel better. 
Um, so I had to watch be in sports on an, on the second television, keep a bunch of things going on at the same time, because apparently Barcelona and Valencia is a bigger game, according to them. PSG OL was relegated to be in Sports Connect 3 or be in Sports Connect 4. I checked it this morning. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. The be in Sports Connect app for my Roku and my iPad hadn't been working for about two weeks. It had been sporadically working on and off. The Roku one on and off, the B, the iPad one not at all. So this morning I tested out and it's working on my iPad for the first time in about two, three weeks. And I'm happy about it because then I could just put it in front of me and I could watch both games at the same time. I go to fire it up at about 2.45 and the app is experiencing technical difficulties. This is no bueno for me. I do not like this. So I go on my Roku. I try to, no shit, try to refresh and reload this thing about 35 times. And not a single time did it work. I tried logging out and logging back on. It didn't work. It's 3.03. I want to watch this game. I have to watch this game because I'm reporting and covering this game. And I can't get this game, so I have to go to the Reddit streams, which I do not want to do. Let me make this point very clear. I am an iTunes person. And what I mean by that is I pay for music. I don't have Spotify where I pay for whatever, $9.99 a month, and I get to listen to all these, you know. Well, let's put it this way. I have iTunes, the iTunes version of Spotify, so I don't pay song by song. But basically until about... Three years ago or two years ago, I paid song by song because I want to reimburse the artist who made the music. I don't want to stream it. I don't want to pirate it. I I don't want to do any of that stuff because for me, that's not right to the people that provide the content. But in this case, I had to use a Reddit stream. And I know a lot of you listening use Reddit streams. Because either you don't have cable, you don't have access to it, and it's the best way to, you know, to get the get the coverage. I get that. But be in sports, and I'm going to talk directly to be in sports right now. I want to use your service. I want to go out of my way to make sure that I can watch the games that I want to watch on your service, and I want to pay you for that. Through my cable company, through my Sling TV account, either way, I don't care. But I want to pay you and reimburse you for the service. But if you refuse to give me a decent service, I will have to go elsewhere. And I will have to go on Reddit streams. I don't want to do that because the video quality is not as good and it's there's a possibility you could lose service at any time and then you're screwed. But if being sports is going to be worse than a Reddit stream, really being sports connect, this app that you have championed is going to be worse than the Reddit streams. What are we doing to quote, to quote Taylor Twelman? What are we doing? What are we doing? So I hope, you listen to this. I hope someone from Me in Sports listens to this, gets their shit together, 
and gives the PSG fans and gives the fans of the Turkish League or the other La Liga teams that aren't graced with being on your, you know, on your on your regular channel or the other league on teams that are on BN5 and BN6 or the moto bike or whatever the hell else you have coverage for it's a it's a quality thing it's a service thing you're in the customer service business this app has to work you have to find a way to make it work if you don't people are going to go elsewhere and you are going to lose your business and you are going to lose your channel People want to have your channel. And this is the stupid thing about all of this. People want to pay money to watch these teams. But if you continue to give them crappy service, they're going to go to Reddit streams. They're going to go elsewhere. They're going to go to Fubo TV. Enough. This is enough. It has to get better. It must get better. All right. Glad I got that off my chest. Um think that's about all we have um make sure to follow psg talk on twitter instagram and facebook um subscribe to the podcasts uh we have two going psg talking and psg small talk i'm sure we'll have a psg talking over the uh over the international break covering the covering these games and much more um next week we will also have a patreon exclusive return of keeping the energy with my friends John Olangi, God for short, on Twitter, and Eduardo Razo, Eddie Razo, nineteen ninety one, on Twitter. Uh, that should be fun. I'll get to rem- lament about how horrible my football team is and other things involved with life and pop culture and sports. Um, I want to announce this uh, on the uh, on the show. I hinted at it, but we are going to over the winter break have in i envision it being a four to five part series which will detail the history yes the history of paris saint germain covering every decade from the inception of the club in the 1970s early 1970 to its qatari era run so that's almost 50 years of history a lot of people say that paris saint germain has no history I, with this series, would like to dispel that myth and prove to everybody through our contributors and through our research that not only does PSG have history, it has one of the richest histories for a club of its age in the world, maybe of all time. Well, maybe not of all time. That might be much. But they have a grand history for a club that's only been around 48 years. So keep an ear out for that. We'll give you more details as they are made available. Again, the target date for those shows airing will be during the international break. So a Christmas present for our PSG Talk listeners. And we will also have Patreon exclusives based off of that show. Keep your ears out for that. And why not beforehand subscribe to our Patreon? We have over 20 Patreon subscribers now, which is double what we had two months ago. What if we could double that this month? That'd be pretty cool. And we'll keep giving you content. We'll keep being the number one uh, outlet, the number one source for news and opinions about Paris Saint-Germain in English. Um, I don't think anyone's close. And I think we're developing a nice little niche for ourselves. 
and we appreciate that you listen. We appreciate all of the listeners of this show, the people that tweet me at Mark Damon one, the people that tweet at PSG talk. And we hope to continue to do you proud as PSG continue to march on here in the 2018, 2019 campaign. So for PSG talk, this has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.